again. Um, and what a beautiful day as we could just sit here and not have to worry about being persecuted or being hiding or, or to be secretive about what we believe. What a beautiful thing that is. And we can't take that for granted, especially, you know, when we think about these churches all over the world, that it's not the same with us. And that we are just so privileged to be here and to be able to worship with you. Thank you so much for uh, just this wonderful opportunity. And I'm just thanking God for that. I mean, this is just so amazing. And um, But today, uh, I wanted to uh, just open up uh, by one more time, we just uh, we had a wonderful wedding last week. Not me, but I was able to officiate uh, Taka and Yayoi's wedding last week. And, uh, you know, they're right there. And they're like, they're here. I mean, that's great. They're not like on their honeymoon, you know. But, uh, we, we, uh, we, but then, you know, right now they're in their second week of official marriage and in a honeymoon stage. Wow. You know, and uh, one definition of honeymoon is... Uh, the holiday a man takes before he begins to work for a new boss. So, <laughs> Taka, that's a word for you. All right, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, but just th- listen, listen, how about you guys? I mean, do you recall your time of honeymoon where you just, just had that wedding and it's over and it's just like you get to relax and enjoy? Have things been the same since then? Um, and because, you know, life happens. Uh, and obviously not just for uh, a married couple, but life happens, and, uh, and especially in a relationship like a marriage, then our communication is not as sharp, you know, it's kind of get dull, maybe mundane. Sometimes our uh, appreciation level gets low, and I see some people like nudging like that, you know, and you know, those, those, these, these, things, these things could happen within a relationship, and uh, well, that's why we have the marriage seminar coming up and the communication seminar. So it's a little commercial here, but, you know, we get to learn from a couple who's been married for 50 years. And they said, Pat and Carl, they said they're still working on it, which is a beautiful attitude because we could always get better at that. And, um, and also, it's important to think about this relationship and the honeymoon period. And, and, and that also could happen in our relationship with God. You know, there was that stage time where you just got to know the Lord. You're just so excited. You're worshiping and you can't get away from the Bible. And you're just so dive, you know, you're right in there. And it's like you and God were just tight, you know. You can't, and, and maybe for some you kept that relationship. That's great. But a lot of the case, life happens in our lives. And, you know, sometimes we, the, the relationship with God, if you're not intentional about it, it could kind of phase out into a more of a, a normal stage. We have to think about, uh, we get a job, you know, we get busy and busy, we have to commute. Sometimes we get, you know, we get married, we have kids, and the kids start going to school, and they got activities going on, and, and sports, and lessons, and it gets full and full in our plates in life. And then even if you're not married, you know, our life, our plate gets full and full and full because things just don't go away. Things only get more sometimes, and that's the most of our cases, I believe. And more and more, the relationship with God could get pushed back, pushed back to the side, and then our schedule gets filled up, and whatever the leftover time we devote to God. But that's not really devotion, is it? And then we can get comfortable in living that life and trying to justify, well, I'm busy, or this is a, and it's, it's, it's life is full right now. And I, I do understand that. There are seasons, but at the same time, that is why we are in this series called Hungry. 
Because we got to stay hungry for our relationship with God to continue to get closer and closer. And then the question for us as seasoned Christian, for example, is that challenging ourselves to stay hungry for more. Not just, just feel it once and you're good, but stay hungry for more and know how we could get closer. So what do we want to do is that we wrap up our series in Hungry today. We've been looking at it from September, all about this series on Hungry and how could we be, grow in hunger for more. And then our challenge as we wrap up is that keep hungering for a closer and a better relationship with God. And then continue to love God more and more each day of our lives. And then also to have deep hunger for God's ministry in our lives, and for us to love people and to care for people, and also, as, as Christ has described, make disciples of all nations. That is the hunger that we want to develop more and more. And that's what the life that I see in Apostle Paul. Wouldn't you agree? That he lived with loving God and loving people. And we're going to pick up from Romans chapter 15. And I'm going to read from verse 14. So if you have your Bibles, if you can open up your digital devices or your physical book, or also on the screen as well, I'll read this for you this morning. This is the Word of God from coming from Romans 15, verse 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to, and, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. This is Paul. Just incur- That's kind of the purpose of his writing this letter. And he says, Because of the grace of God that gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentile, he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel to God so that the Gentiles may, might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 says, Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. So Paul kept his hunger to love God, and he experienced the grace of God daily in that renewal process, the grace of God each and every day of his life. And out of that came this deep hunger to reach those who have yet to experience that grace, that hunger to reach people with the message of Jesus Christ. Because so that is the, this both ways for him. He loved God and he loved people and to s- desire to serve people. And giving you the context once again of Romans and the letter and why he wrote is that this is a region where there's so many different developing things. And for example, there was the Jewish Christians that were exiled, but they came back to Rome and, and they're there. And they were confused because by that time, the Gentile Christian, which is the non-Jewish people, they, were, they just became to know Jesus Christ. And they're from all over different backgrounds. And they came and became Christian. So there was this conflict between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians because, of course, their values, their background is so different. And Paul is writing to the entire crowd of people coming from the Gentile side and the Jewish side. And Paul knew them both because Paul was a Jew, but also he had this calling to reach to the Gentiles. And as he clearly says that right here where we read. But he also loved the Jews because that's where he's from and he had that passion for them. But Paul was particularly, particularly big on reaching those Gentiles who have yet to hear the good news of Jesus. 
Because he knew that there are areas where they, nobody had taught them about Jesus. And Paul had the desire to go over and to preach and teach the good news of Jesus. And that was his life. And that is something that we could always learn from. That that desire to reach the unreached, the people sharing. And that's why there are churches in the persecuted nations. Because people have desire to go there, risking their lives. And that's a, a model we learn from many others. But especially Paul right here as we learn from that. Verse 17, he says, I glory in Christ in my service to God. Another translation, it's the uh, New Revised Standard Version, says, I have no reason to boast of my work for God. I think that's beautifully written. That there's that, that, that humility we find. That is the attitude that, Paul had, attitude that Paul had that we too must adopt and learn more in our lives. That we can't just boast in doing God's work. We get to do this. It is a privilege, and it is never for us to be prideful about, but we get to be part of God's plan, and that, nothing for in us we could boast, but we boast all the things that God is doing. So we learn that from Paul as he finished up his letter to Romans. And then later, what Paul does, and we could learn from this as well, is that he asks for prayer, for the mission of Jesus to go beyond what it is right now. Not to be just satisfied with what's happening. Let's keep pressing on. And he's asking for prayer that may this message of Jesus get carried out to everywhere. And for that, people are giving for that cause. And he's taking that money to go and to give to others that need are in need. So that the ministry, the mission of Jesus could continue to expand. And that is the heart of Paul that we get to hear and see and we learn from. We see Paul's passion for the mission of God. And that's why we here at this church says, stress so much on overflowing so that it doesn't stop with us. It keeps on flowing. So um, what do we see is an example that Paul is setting, a great example. And I I really enjoy uh, uh, imagining who Paul was. So let's pause and think about that for a minute. So what kind of person you think Paul was? What kind of image do you have of him? Anybody want to just shout it out? Like, what, what, when you think of Paul, what kind of person was he? Anybody? He was a master theologian, don't you think? I mean, he had the knowledge. I mean, he was a theologian like nobody else, and he's able to expand on these things. All right, I gave you one. How about you guys? Anybody else? What do you think of Paul? What kind of personality, maybe? enthusiastic yeah he's very passionate about what he believes that's great anybody else okay that's good (laughs) but he's a he's definitely this this passionate scholar but a theologian and and i don't know if you would you want to meet him is he going to intimidate us you think I mean, definitely, I don't have the knowledge that he has. And obviously, we learn a lot from him. And that's why he is who we look to. But when I I was thinking of who Paul was and what what kind of personality and character, you know, we we, we like to focus on, like, a lot of the the knowledge he had and how scholastic he was and he's passionate. But in chapter 16, we find this refreshing side of Paul and I thought it was really cool. So if you have your Bibles, would you open to first, or chapter 16? And just the, the names that it is listed there. And we, we're not going to list all that. But if you have it, it's right there. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more. In closing chapter of chapter 16, after he, he just like 
you know, dropped all the theological, you know, nuggets to us through the first couple, first like 10 chapters. And then he talked about the applicational aspect of what Christian life is. And then at the very end, he greets them. And I find that very, very refreshing because here we see the love of Paul for his people. As Christian lives, I think we learn that there's this mission that we have to accomplish. But then there's also, and then we, we love God like crazy. And we want to press into that. But there's also this love for people, and we find that in Paul. His greeting is offered to about 27 people, and, and there's a lot of names there. And he's naming them each by name, which is really, really interesting. And then we also see significant amount of women's name, which is really really amazing and to us it's encouraging because women we find that they were leaders in the church they were house church leaders there are people who've been serving alongside paul and you find that in his writing it is beautiful and especially at those times at that time where, where women were not regarded as leaders i mean this is like groundbreaking language here that he's acknowledging all these female leaders which is beautiful and it is part of our free methodist history as well so we appreciate that as well but in our world today it is very appropriate that women are being highlighted here and then also what are other people in there that we see he, he names these people and they're who were they they're church leaders. They're people, he says, who risked their lives to save him. They're people who was his first, like his first cumber, Eupentus. Do you remember somebody who you led to the Christ for the very first time? You probably remember that name. I sure do. And you know, right here, Paul, Paul has these names, these people who went to prison with. There's these, he calls them dear friends, co-workers in Christ. And he acknowledged these people who worked so hard for the mission of Christ to continue to not stop, but to overflow. And he's acknowledging all these names. And I thought, man, it's beautiful. And he also talks about Rufus and his mom. And his mom was like his mom. You know, there's this family connection. And this is interesting because some scholars believe that this Rufus is the son of Simon the Cyrene who carried Jesus' cross. Remember that guy? So this is his son, and obviously his mom was uh, uh, Simon's wife. And it's incredible what kind of people who he's writing to. Don't you think it's incredible that he remembered all these names? Back then, there's no smartphone where you have your contact list. You know, and even dumb phones have contact lists, right? He never had those things, and he, he knew these people by name. He remembered them. What does that tell about Paul's character? He prayed for these people every day. He thought of them. He cared for them. And he's thinking about them each and every day. And he's like, oh, how are they doing? Is he still walking with the Lord? Is he okay? Should I be praying for them? This is the heart of Paul that we see in the greetings, which is so beautiful. And it's also incredible thinking that Paul never been to Rome. So where did he meet these people? who he met along the way of his ministry and the journeys and the sh- boats. And when he lived in Corinth, they, they met some of these people here. And he remembered each and every one of them. And he's greeting them, saying, please give my regards to them. He couldn't be at Rome. He wanted to. He wanted to do this in person, but he couldn't. And we're going to get into the reason why he couldn't get there a little bit later. But he has this passion for the Lord, but he has this love for the people. 
And then he makes Paul, at the very end of this chapter, he makes a final appeal to the church to avoid division and this unity. Let's pick it up from Romans 16, verse 17. And can we read this together right here? All right, here we go. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery, and they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And that is his kind of ending remark, that we too must continue to be hungry for what is good. And then to be careful about what is evil and what is of us, what is of people, what is of the world. But we are mindful of what is good and what is good come from God. And that is what he is. And and then he says unity is so important within the body of Christ. We We are called to work together. And I've been realizing this every day. You know, as, as a pastor, of course, because unity among the church is so important. But just reflecting on the past six, seven, eight months of my time here at Orange Coast, when we had the merging of two churches. I mean, this is, you know, one of our big theme, this unity. We have this unique opportunity here to work with, with the people who came from all kinds of different people who were originally from here, people who came from the church plant. And we are here together. And it's not been easy there are a lot of differences and then not only that this church we also cannot forget that there is a japanese speaking congregation that meets before us but we are called to be one church one family and it's different needs different preferences different language that we speak and it is so different but we are called to be this family with this vision that god has given for this church and it is honestly it's been challenging but i know that this is where god has called us and he has brought us together and he is calling us to be united and it is not easy it won't unity will not happen by accident it is it will happen through our prayers and then also our intentional relationship building and that's what i learned with the japanese speaking because we talked about you know the church direction and even the the, the name change and then and for them their needs are completely different and i got to hear their voice and then we get to talk about it we get to communicate about it and then after we get to do that that's where we felt like this as a decision that we got to make after we have that that connection and communication it is so important. And then, you know, Paul, like, says, but have that love for one another. Accept and receive and welcome one another. And that's the love that Paul is explaining at the very end of this intense letter. So now, now, we looked at this letter of Romans. And we, we took, did the impossible of looking at this through September and, and just using two months and a little bit more and to do this. And it's, we look from, from chapter 1 to now chapter 16. And um, we learned a lot. We covered a lot of themes. For example, we looked at being hungry for holiness. You remember that? That's our first theme. We, we, we hunger for humility. We hunger for faith. 
We hunger for transformation. We hunger for the righteousness. These are all the theological uh, expana- uh, explanation that Paul has been doing through Romans. And then we get into the applicational part, hunger for love for one another, hungry to live out our faith in our daily walk. We, took, we looked about our hunger for salvation and, and, and evangelism and sharing the good news. We Last week we talked about the hungering for that unity that God has called us to. And today, we looked at this hunger to love God and love people. Love and serve God and serve God and serve people. And this is the hunger that we are ending with. And I believe Paul's message as we look at this as a whole is this. That despite all the differences and the challenges we, say, we face, I believe Paul's message to us is stay hungry. Keep being hungry, hungry for more, more and more. But in order for us to be hungry for more of God, what do we have to do? We have to be less of me. More of God, less of me. And let that be our prayer. So why, why should we be hungry? Why should we stay hungry? I think this is important because if we don't understand why, We're going to lose that purpose. But the reason why it is important for us to stay hungry is because we have a mission to serve. We have a mission. We have a calling that God has given us, the mission to serve, which is to love God and love people and make disciples of all nations. That is a Christian mission that has not changed since the day of Paul. And that is why even though it's 2,000 years has passed, that's what it connects us. And that is why this message is relevant to us because we have the same exact mission and that mission to love God, love people and make disciples of all nations will not change until Jesus comes back. That is the mission that we must live in. That is why we must stay hungry because if we're not hungry, then we're just gonna let that mission be on the wall or or on our bulletin. We're not gonna live that out if we do not stay hungry for that. You hear me? This is the mission. We have to reach people to share about Christ and make disciples of all nations. We have to do that with unity. That is why unity is so important. Because we can't carry out the mission when we have differences or or we're just focusing on our difference. So now, Paul's message to us at the end is an encouragement to unity. Once again, he's saying, this is, it's screaming at us, says, be a team together to carry that mission of Jesus together. You know, for Paul, he wanted to go to Rome and encourage these people in person, come around them and put a, and hug them and, and wrap around his arm and says, hey, let's do this together. I know you've been going through a lot. I know you went to prison for me or I know you went to prison for Jesus. You know, let's, he wanted to be there. It says many, he says clearly, I wish I could be there. But he couldn't be there. Why? It was because he had to go and serve the people at the areas where they have not heard Jesus. He wanted to go to Rome, but his priority was to go to the area to serve God and his people, to make disciples of those who never heard of Jesus. That was Paul's priority. That's why he couldn't do that. Go to Rome. But he went to places where the Gentiles were never heard of Jesus. In our hunger to serve people and hope for that they would come to know Jesus, we must be willing 
put on hold to go to Rome. What is Rome for you? I believe Rome is our, our, our own desires that we want to fulfill. Maybe it's our, our, our comfort that we want to protect. Maybe it is our needs that we feel like it needs to be met. Maybe those things need to be put on hold so that we could be used by God to reach people, to make disciples. There's a cost to being a disciple of Jesus, isn't it? But at all costs, it's worth it. Because we are hungering for people to come to Christ, aren't we? Isn't that why we're on the same mission together? Isn't that true? We want to see people come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord because there will be a time where we cannot share that news. There will be a time where we don't have, our time is out. So that is why this mission of Jesus that he's called to love God, love people, make disciples of all nations has to be in the front burner, burning in our hearts. Cannot be back there. So, to close the series, not just this time of message, but the whole series, here's a question that may be painful, but it will give you freedom. And here's the question. And please be honest. Where have we lost our hunger? Where have you lost your hunger? It's painful to admit. But when we seek this, we are able to seek God for help. And he wants to help you. But before we have to be honest, and for me, I believe it's the issue of humility. I think I'm, I'm losing sometimes the hunger to be hu- humble. And we, I need to be reminded. And it's, it's, it's hard to admit that because I think I'm a humble person. But when I really deep down do a soul search, I think I need that hunger more and more. What about you? Where have you lost your hunger? But when we do know that, we get to ask God for help. When, we, when are we not hungry physically? I'm not talking spiritual, but physical. When, we, when are we not hungry? Of course, when we are full. You know, we, my son got all these candies trick-or-treating or, you know, going around and he got these candies everywhere. And he's eating those things before our meal time. And of course he's full because he's ate all these junk food. And as a, as a parent, I'm like, come on, Zio, please fill yourself with the good stuff and not those, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and that's when we are full with all the other things of life and, 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 and we are full. We, we're not hungry. Or when we are sick, right? When we're sick, you can't eat. That's why we don't get better. But when you are so tired, when we're sick, and when we lose our hunger, and I think the same can be said about our um, spiritual hunger as well. One writer says sickness could come in the form of unbelief and unforgiveness. And that could be our case. When we, have, it's hard, when we don't believe in God, when we don't believe in His powers, or when we cannot forgive ourselves, or when we cannot forgive others, it develops sickness in our heart. But if that's the case, then we could ask the Holy Spirit to reveal us that sin more and to revive us that hunger for God again. 
If we are hungry, if we're not hungry because we've been filling ourselves with too much of the worldly food and, and, and the lies and, the, and, and, and our, our desire to win approval of others, and, and what if we are having unhealthy habits of our lives that is filling our hearts? Even busyness could fill up our lives, hearts. Even busyness for God. We could fall in love with those things. If when other things are more important than this pure relationship with God, then it is going to take us away from that honeymoon stage every time. Don't you think? When we, you know, other things are more important than God, then it's going to take away from this love of God. And after all, we become what we fill ourselves with. So let God be our central hunger. Then God will be the center of our lives. When God is the central hunger for the church, God is at the center of our church. And we have this wonderful, wonderful opportunity to remember this through what Jesus had instructed for us to do, which is communion. He knew what we need. He knew that we need to do this occasionally so that we are reminded of this. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to taste the best, you know, and we're going to taste the best. And that's when we know we got to hunger for more and more of the best. Once you had in and out, you can't go back to the big M arch, you know, we have the best. We can't go back to that. We got to taste the best so that we know what we need to be hungering for and we don't go back to the old times. So let's uh, look at our weekly challenge. Would you read this week, and you could pull out your phones and take a picture of this. Would you read Romans 15, 14 on to the end of the chapter, which isn't too long. But, you know, what challenge do you receive? But then here's what I really want you to do. What are the names of the people that have influenced your faith. Maybe think of a few names. And then maybe also an extra credit is, what are the people that you have influenced in their faith, if that is applicable? And then grow. What do we need to put on hold so that we could better live out the Christian mission of love God, love people, make disciples of all nations? That might be a challenge. And then overflow. What do we need to put on hold? Boy, that's the same. That is the same thing. And that's, here's where it is. Let me read this, the overflow question. Sorry. Here we go. Okay. Um, where, and then I'm, I'm sure we could make that change and then put it up there later. But this is the overflow question. Actually, in, you know, we're going to post that later. And then what we're going to do is we're going to break into our groups once again. And then we're going to take communion together. So with that said, we're going to put the overflow question a little bit later. All right. So please um, get into groups of maybe three or four, just the people around you. And then... Uh, and then we'll come back and do communion. But you could stay in your group uh, and then take communion together in that way. So now would you break out into our groups? Thank you. About, about five minutes or six. Oh, I'm sorry. So then the grow question. So please, so what do we need to put on hold so that we could better live out our Christian mission of love God, love people, and make disciples of all nations? All right, you can move around and uh, be with those who you, you talk to or just meet with the group right by name. Okay? All right, so we'll start this time right now.
be with them.